you know, last night I was like, oh my goodness, it's just amazing what she's been through to what she's now doing. She's probably the strongest person I know. She has such determination. She's so goal-driven and it's just so inspiring. I mean, if I am still running at her age, I'll be so excited. I mean, you know, my, you know, Willow loves to come running. Um, she's seven now, so she loves to run. You know, that connection that I have with Willow, I hope is as strong as my mum and I, you know, I hope to run my first marathon or Willow's first marathon with her. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. Hello, welcome back to the RMA podcast. I'm excited to have you here for episode 12. I can't believe we're actually at episode 12. It's been an amazing journey so far and I hope you've enjoyed the guests that I've had on. Today on the podcast, I talk to two amazing women in our RMA running community, Mary and Sandy. Mary and Sandy reside in Queensland in Brisbane and they are a mum and daughter duo. And I was really excited to have them on the podcast because I found that their connection was so inspiring and their story was also as equally inspiring. Sandy shares with us her amazing story about growing up in country Queensland in Moree in a low socioeconomic background and how the journey for her wasn't always easy but that her upbringing helped her to develop some resilience along the way. We talk about Sandy's journey fleeing a husband as a result of domestic violence, basically packing up her children in their van and driving away with just the things that they had on their back. We talk about that experience and how that developed a resilience in her as a mother and how she chased the things that she wanted in her life. We also talk about when she decided that her life needed to change and how that decision of losing a few kilos led to her running and how through running she has found joy and happiness. I really love this conversation because through her love of running, she's also brought her daughter Mary along for the ride as well. And Mary has also fallen in love with running and they often compete together This is a really heartwarming story. I wanted to bring it to you in the midst of what has been quite a difficult year for many. And there are so many powerful stories in RMA that can bring happiness to our world. So today I wanted to share this one with you. I hope you enjoy. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocrem Massage Gel. 
PhysioCram has been helping running mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and PhysioCram has our back. To get your own PhysioCram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find PhysioCram at your local pharmacy. Just a quick heads up that during this episode, you will hear a child crying at one point because Mary's daughter was quite upset at bedtime. As mums, our job never stops. And so this was something that happened during our podcast recording, but that's okay. We carried on the following evening. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up that if you hear a child crying, that is why. Hi, Mary and Sandy. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, you're welcome. I wanted to have you guys on the podcast because you've been part of RMA for a while now and I've been watching from afar your relationship. Obviously, your mum and daughter and um, I've been watching your journey over the last few years, how you've started running together and all the different events that you participating together and I just love the connection that you guys have and I I wanted to sort of showcase that connection because as mums um, which you both are um, you know part of us wants to instill those values of health and well-being in our own children and watching your journey unfold um, especially like Mary and the admiration that she has for you, Sandy, as her mother, um, and the things that she says about you as you participate in all these adventures that you take yourself on um, is really beautiful to watch. And I'd hope that, you know, all the mums in RMA and mums in general would want the same sort of things for their own children. And, you know, I really think it's special that you guys have that relationship that you can look up to each other um, both as a mother and also as a daughter and um, bring out the best in each other. So I wanted to explore your relationship. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other mums and daughters in RMA, but you guys come to mind. You're kind of like the celebrity mums <laughs> in my book um, that I see running together in, uh, in Queensland. And I just wanted to talk about your journey because it hasn't been the most easy journey um, for both of you. And, and there's a story there. And I wanted to share the, that powerful story of how you overcame obstacles and challenges, um, Sandy, in your life to be able to bring about um, change and, and for the betterment of your own family, your health and your well-being. So that's why I brought you on to the podcast. So I'm really excited. Um, to talk to you and share your story with the world. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, humbled, I, I think. Aww. Aww. Humbled. humbled. Um, and, and yes, like sometimes when I read things that Mary's put up there, I'm a, I just burst into tears mm. and it, it mm-hmm. sort of really hits me. So, so yeah, so I'm not sure what you wanted to start with first. Um, we could start with, um, so I'm a mum, Mary's my youngest. Yeah. I have three older um, sons and 
Um, as you probably sort of touched a little bit, I was in an abusive relationship with their father. Yeah. Um, and we lived in a country town and like normal, I thought only dumb people were in relationships like that. You couldn't get out. Um, and actually someone had said that to me in, in our town that that was, you know, only, you know, people with no intelligence were in domestic violence relationships, but mm. it's not true when you don't, you don't tell anyone, you don't think anybody knows. What was it like to actually live in that relationship with your husband before you left? Good and bad. So you, you didn't know what you were going to get. Mm whether it was going to be good or bad. You didn't know if you said something, something would, you would upset him or, or stuff like that. Um, mm. So I think one, one thing I remember when we went to visit his parents in, in Sydney, um, I had said something nice about Greeks and he was a Turk and he actually got the, my um, eldest son was a toddler then and he got the, um, the steel rod out of the side of the um, the cot and whipped me with it, mm. and it was accepted by his his parents. That was it. We went to the hospital. Obviously, you know the lie. Something happened. I slammed my hand in the door. That sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and then other times, really loving, really loving, and looking after you and doing everything you can. And it was that um, yeah peaks and troughs. So as soon as he had done something, it was the the loving person again mm. and um yeah and I, I, i'm not sure whether it was a cultural thing as well because i know i can remember another time when we were in sydney um we were at um soccer and and he grabbed me by the hair and dragged me up the up um the hill nobody said anything or did anything it was just really that was accepted and um but then other times really really loving with the kids really loving with me as well so you weren't sure it was like walking on eggshells because you weren't sure if you said something it would tip him over one way or not how and did you actually I, meet like um at maureen okay so they he lived in maureen as well no uh, well no he was actually on the um on the railway what they called the flying gang and they were putting replacing the um rails the, the tra train tracks um out of maureen so he was sort of there and i met him at where you always meet people in Mori at the spa bath at the pool. <laughs> right, the local spa bath. <laughs> yeah, well, see, Mori's are hot artesian pools. They have, that's the swimming pool and they had the yep. hot pools as well. Hi. So, yeah, so there, that's where I, I met him. Yeah, and and it was like, um, like fast, very, very fast. So I, within, you know, two weeks we were living together. Mm. And, and your then, relationship um, was probably good at the start, I'd imagine. Yeah. 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 When I actually came to the end, um, I suppose it was when he started to, um, was hurting the boys. Mm. So at one stage, he actually picked my eldest son up and threw him down the, the hall. And that was it. So um, packed up an old van that hardly went. Mm -hmm. I called into a petrol station because we had a business and we had um, like a food truck at the petrol station as well as a as a cafe and 
called into the petrol station to get tight, like get the right tires on, fix it up. And the guy goes to me, you're leaving, aren't you? And I was like, how do you know? Because you think nobody knows. And um, yeah, I, I then at, my second oldest son was at a friend's place and we had to drive out of town. I picked him up, grabbed him. All I had was a few clothes with for the kids and we hit the road, always looking behind me to see whether he was coming behind me. And I still remember, I don't know what song it was, but I still remember who I was listening to, a bit of a country, Randy Travis. Mm-hmm. him as we as we went and um arrived at my my mum's she lived in Ballina they they had a caravan that was it my mum and dad and ended up at the um the women's refuge at Lismore with the four kids in one room wow and what a way to start our story because <laughs> that is that is a powerful story in itself that you you know, we're in an abusive relationship. You were living in Moree at the time. Yeah. That's correct. And you'd grown up there as well. And you were, you were in this relationship that you felt trapped in, I guess. You had four children and you had the courage to just leave and, you know, not take really much with you, just your children. So obviously you were, you were feeling um, scared and did you feel like you're in danger for your own life or your children's lives at that point? Yes. Yes. Um, and that's why I went to the refuge because I couldn't put my parents, I didn't want my parents like to be like in the firing line or anything. So I went to um, the women's refuge, as I said, and we stayed there in just one room and then they found us what they call a halfway house, mm-hmm. which is um, just a, a house where you go until they can you can get yourself together again mm. and um we stayed there but every noise anyone drove up or did anything i would think it was him coming to get us or coming coming at us mm. and um then i went to um went to uni mm. we trained myself so while the um the three boys were at at school and mary was just starting she was just, bit, no, she was four, so yeah, she hadn't started school. So how and old were the three boys as well? Six, eight and ten. Mm. So you had quite young children and for them, like Mary, do you, I mean, you were only four, so you probably don't remember anything, but do the boys remember anything about that time? Um, yeah, the eldest, the eldest does because... Um, what happened was after all that we we got into a housing commission house and all and um someone told him where we were and then at just in the middle of the night there was a knock on the door and he was he was there oh, that's scary so um yeah so that was scary and then i thought well the best thing to do was try and build a like a relationship so that he could have a relationship with the kids mm-hmm. um to try and do that so so it sort of did that and that sort of backfired after a while because um when when i we moved to walling bar we had i had a house there and he he was he'd moved back to maury and i thought it was all okay and um he, he'd got with a relationship with somebody and it must have broken up and then he arrived and came and told me that um if i didn't go back with him 
that he would kill himself, mm. um, which I find later is something that they say a lot. But so there was myself and the four kids sitting in a in out the master bedroom, just not too scared to go out because I didn't know if I went outside whether I'd find him there or not, or whether he would have done something. When before he actually went back, I sort of when the kids were having this, trying to have a relationship with him, um, he he was abusive to the, the eldest one. He remembers so what he was doing and he um, tried to choke him and stuff like that as well. So, yeah. When you left, he didn't know that you where you were going. He didn't know where you went. No. So how long did he not know where you were for? It would have been probably... Six to nine months. Mm. Mm. And did you feel months. safe at all at that time? I did until when we were in the house at Ganalabar, which was the house commission house, I did until the knock on the door. Mm. Yeah. We won't go too far into, you know, specifics, but what ended up happening with that relationship? Like, did you get the um, police involved or? Oh, I, yeah, I had, I had a, a, I got an AVO. That's the scariest thing. People tell you to get an AVO. Mm. But, um, turning up to a courthouse when that person is there is one of the scariest things and having to say what they've done and, and that. So at some stages, like when we were in, when we lived in Sydney, you know, he would, he had a gun, he used to, you know, shoot that. And then, um, he, when we were, when he came back and, you know, he brought a gun there and I actually got my elders to, he, um, dug a hole in the ground and hid it there. Mm. And we're hoping it was going to ruin it. So, um, yeah. Wow. So did he end up having any relationship with your children moving forward or did you, were you able to break free from that? He had some for a while and then... On and off. Yeah. I remember probably phone calls um, around birthday times, probably... The last phone call I remember was probably when I was 13, 14. We'd actually we'd moved up the coast gradually. Um, and the further we moved up the coast into Brisbane, the less kind of contact we had. Um, probably around 13, 14 was probably my last recollection of a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, my father has passed away um, when I was 19, I mm -hmm. want to say. Um, so he passed away of a brain aneurysm so mm -hmm. um to be honest everything that my mum has just said is probably all new to me i mm -hmm. i didn't know um so this conversation is going to be <laughs> difficult <laughs> perhaps so the only um i remember my mum going to university when i was four because i would go to her lectures and i would sit you know under a chair eating an egg and lettuce sandwich and mm -hmm. um, colouring in kind of thing. And that's probably all I really remember. I remember bits and pieces of um, going to like a horse place with my dad. You know, whenever my dad came to visit, it was always a fun activity. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess being the youngest and the only girl, I was quite sheltered from my older brothers with a lot of things. Um, yeah. You know, if my parents were having an argument, you know, I wouldn't have known because I was playing with my brothers a game or I was in their room playing with their toys, um, which is something that they never usually let me do. But um, yeah, in all honesty, a lot of what my mum has just said is, 
probably the first time I've ever heard it. So mm, thank you, Mum. I just <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, I you know, I knew I knew bits and pieces, but I obviously I didn't know to the extent of some of the things that actually did happen. So well, it's probably part of your way, Sandy, of protecting Mary by not telling her all of those things, I would imagine. Yeah, I can remember um, when we were in Brisbane and I refused to say anything bad mm. about him and um, she had a rosy picture of it and she was going through stuff and I remember she actually found the, um, the AVO and mm. it stated different things that he'd done and that shocked her. Mm. I ran away from home, sorry. Oh. Um, I wasn't gone for long. I was back by dinner time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was completely shocked. I thought, you know, I never thought that that would, that had ever happened. Um, mm. But yeah, that was quite confronting at about 13, I think. And that's probably when my relationship with my dad kind of, I, I don't recall many phone calls after that. So mm. yeah. Well, let's go back now um, to before that, Sandy, and just talk a little bit about your upbringing, because I think the journey um, that you've been on is really unique and interesting, um, especially from where you were brought up. So Moree is a country town, and yes. you told me in our prior, you know, um, conversation um, that you were brought up in a lower socioeconomic area, so in Moree, yep. and I do know people that live in Moree, so I do know um, what Moree is like. Um, what was it like growing up there as a young child? I was the youngest of five, so we were very poor to start with. Um, at one stage before we actually, we did get a house commission house, but before that we lived in the garage of my grandparents. So the whole, that's, we all lived in there. We didn't have a car. We didn't have anything like that. I can remember, they don't do it now, but on the, the ring tops of, of cans, they used to have like scallops around them. So mm. it's not like it. So I got one of those caught on my finger. And um, so I can still remember, and I was only little, that my mum put me on the lawnmower and pushed me to the ambulance station oh. to, get, to get it. But I have to oh. say, um, although... You know, I loved growing up there. You were allowed, like we used to play, um, um, kick the ball down the street, you know. every All the families came out. You just, you did yeah. that, Red Rover. You slept, it was so hot, you slept outside, you know. Mm -hmm. Christmas time, you, you put your beds out the back and you, um, you just, you slept out there and waited for Santa to come. Mm -hmm. um, when my dad, so my dad was a painter and um, the bottom fell out of the painting business. So he didn't have a job. So he was like on the dole with, with five kids. And he actually, cause we're in Moray, cause the, you know, the backyards were very big. He mm. actually planted just corn mm. all back. And so that's what we lived on. We'd walk out and we'd get corn and you'd, you know, you'd cook it or you'd just eat it raw and then you'd pull the stalks off. And I think, the things I did were just crazy because I was horrified if my kids would do it. Like there was mounds of the the tufts from the corn and I'd climb up onto the roof and do like death dives off into them and all that sort of stuff. And, um, mm. but you could go anywhere. Like mm. I, my grandparents lived on the other side of town and, and I would walk over and visit them. And then they had this dog that 
Wally and he would walk all the way home with me. Mm. And um, you didn't worry about things. So it was a different kind of thing. So although we didn't, and although we didn't have much, you know, we still had a happy life. Um, mm. My dad was a little abusive. So, you know, but my mum, my mum is, she was the strength. She did, she went without, she set me all, like my role model is my mum. Mm. She totally would go without. She she made everything for us. So even my jeans, she'd Aww. sew the jeans, you know, and you get all the hand hand me downs. But she'd make everything for us. Mm. And it just goes yeah. to show that you know you don't actually have to have a lot to be happy. And also growing up, and this is a theme when I speak to a lot of people um, that live in country towns and that it's often just the recipe for a bit of a happier life. Like it's, it's, and back then it probably was even more of a happy life. You know, you didn't have to have all the things that people are desiring now. Um, and you were happy just to play in the corn stalks, like, or yep. walk to the other side of town without feeling worried about that. And, you know, playing with the kids in the street. Like it was just something that everybody did, whereas now it's kind of extinct. <laughs> Those things don't happen like they did before. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's different? Um, I think people are scared now. Mm -hmm. Like I know even now too scared to let the kids go to school. Like when we moved to, when the kids were young, they, they would go walk to school no problems you wouldn't worry they'd walk and meet their friend walk to school you wouldn't mm. worry about it um but now you just and i don't know whether it's because of all the media and everything's in your face and you know what's happening yeah. maybe things were happening and we didn't know yes you know but now we know those things happen so then we we judge say a small percentage and think that that's what's going to happen mm. totally mm. and you just don't feel safe yeah, I mean, good. I know, like, that's the way I was brought up. And even when Mary gets worried, I go running on my own. Mm. I just go running anywhere on my own. And she's worried about me. And she goes, but what about the people? And I'm like, <laughs> it's okay. It's the same as when I got um, the, my first trial run ever. <laughs> it was hilarious. These, I, It was just on a Facebook page. Yeah. And there was these guys. You know? So I met these three guys. <laughs> out at Bunya and um, Mary's like, but you don't know them. What if you I'm like, they're trail runners, they're fine. Uh, that's right. <laughs> you know? so it was just it was a different I, I couldn't see where she was coming from because to me it was Yeah. That's just what you did, but she she's been brought up yes. differently. Yes. Not what you do. You don't just meet these strangers and go out running in the forest with them. No. And I can see even from I mean, from my point of view too, like I mean, I'm even older than Mary, like, you know, so, and younger than you, but even my childhood, we were a lot freer, carefree than, than my children. And I am like Mary in a way that I would be worried about them playing in the street. I would let them play in the street. Not that they did it very often, but I'd still be a bit concerned about it. Whereas when I was a kid, my parents didn't even know where we were we were gone from like 9 a.m till 6 p.m playing in the bush and riding our bikes all over the neighborhood but times have changed it's kind of a little bit sad i think 
in a way that we've yeah. lost that freedom and then when I went to uni I always lost my key I still lose my keys <laughs> because when I when I was brought up I didn't need a key the key was in the front door yeah that's right I don't know if people it. would keep their key in the front door now in Moree would they <laughs> I don't know no it's changed yeah. it's changed it's yeah changed a lot yeah so what about when you're at school um did you play a lot of sport yes I played anything that was going because that was the way to to go to places do things um and like I ran so I did cross country yeah um played volleyball basketball netball and given that it's um a small town it's much easier too mm. you know you could play everything I played hockey one game and this girl hit me on the shin with her her um stick really hard <sighs> and I it just came up so big and I went home and my dad said that's it never again oh but that was the one game but yeah so so I lots of sports lots of different sports and and that was the way to go out because what they do is if they picked you in a team because we're such a small little town you'd go and you'd get billeted out in another town mm. and you'd stay overnight there and they'd have a competition there mm. and um, we also when I grew up with Maury so there was the um the missions at both ends of town Stanley Village and Top Mission and so you'd go there and play um like netball and all those sort of things against yeah. the um with the mission schools and that was that was really interesting very interesting because it's very sad for me to know that in my lifetime I can remember when the first Aboriginal people came and lived in town one of my friends there you know was one of the first ones that came in town and it's that's sad like mm. people had to walk down that other side of the streets and and I can still like I was only very young but I can remember that and that's my lifetime that's that's mm. crazy so they weren't even integrating with you it was like totally no. separate no it wasn't until yeah I was in um primary school mm. it's sad isn't it yep you really enjoyed when you played sport because you got to go see other places. So that would have been an exciting time for you to be able to get out of Moree and see the rest of the world. When was it that it, you know, changed for you in your own mind that you would, you know, go to uni? I know you didn't go to uni until you left your husband, but when did you actually think, you know, I wanted to be more than just, you know? Um, I suppose it just, uh, I wanted to provide for my children. Mm. I wanted to um, be a, mo a role model for them. It wasn't like, yes, I could get um, like single parent benefit. I could get all that sort of stuff. But what about when they, they're at school? What about when they get there? I, I just wanted to show them that that wasn't, there was another way I could do, do it. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that I didn't want to be without any skills. Like, what if they were at school and then they finish school and then I have to go to work and I have no skills. Mm. So I started, um, I started basic. First of all, there was like courses they put on just to introduce you to um, having an interview even mm. and that sort of stuff. And, um, but yeah, so I, um, I decided to go to, to uni as a mature age student and did um, exercise science. One of the hardest courses. <laughs> I used to know, I don't now, I used to know every origin and insertion of every muscle. 
Oh, I did too. And now I don't even ask me. <laughs> I can't remember. It's out now. But yeah, I can remember learning all that sort of stuff. So yeah, and um, actually, when I just finished the degree, I thought, well, I needed to do something that would accommodate the children. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'll do a um, like a dip head at yep. the end. I just remember now that was when their dad did come back. And that was when he threatened to kill himself and that so then I just had to stop and so mm -hmm. I did had to defer for a year as well because it just I wasn't there mentally I was about to do the first prac at the one of the high schools mm -hmm. and then I went back the next year but I, I finished it I suppose I'm a little competitive as well as because um, when I did do my degree and I finished my degree I topped it mm. and I um so that was I I got what they call the Daryl Chapman Award for the highest and it, there was money involved, not much, mm. but I used it and um, I took the kids in that old van and we went on our first holiday together. Oh, how beautiful. And we went up to Harvey Bay. It just shows that your past didn't define your future and you had, you know, that horrible time that you, you know, had to endure. And I know you said it wasn't all horrible, but you did you did have to live with someone who was abusive and you were scared for your life and for your children's lives. And I guess that um, uncertainty around your future and then to have to create your own life um, and do it on your own with four little kids and, and then be able to navigate being a single parent, doing a university degree, topping that degree, which means you put a lot of effort in, um, and you're obviously probably naturally talented anyway, <laughs> but you put a lot of effort in and then finishing, you know, that degree, even with the uncertainties and, and challenges that happened along the way, you know, with your ex-husband coming back <laughs> into the picture, you still completed what you set out to do. So kudos to you. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to just be a single parent, let alone do a university degree. One of the hard degrees as well, a lot of content um, and then, you know, top that degree. So well done. So did you end up becoming a high school physical education teacher? What, what did you do with the degree in the end? I, I, I sort of did. I did. I started. And so, um, but so I started up at um, Kingscliff and I was doing like casual, casual cause it was hard to get, to get into. Mm. And then um, the two eldest were in the um, Queensland state water polo teams. Cause at that time we lived at Kingscliff and we used to travel up to Brisbane for the intensive um, sessions they had there. And then we'd have to travel back and we'd get back really late and we were doing that. So then I decided, Oh, well, maybe we should move to Brisbane. <laughs> We'll keep getting further and further up. So I went, um, so you have to get registered up in, in Queensland and go through. So I went through all the, they went through all my staff and, and then they, they rang me, said they had a position for me. So I was still just doing casual. They had a position for me, but it was at Bowen, which is nowhere near Brisbane. Oh, and they said, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give you, you know, accommodation. We'll get you there and all that. And I just went, no, I can't do it. Mm. can't do it so then I went and did um, a, a business little certificate 
And while I was doing that, um, there was a job at TAFE to get the vocational education in the jails and all that. So I went for that and I got that. And then while I had that, I, I was just about to actually go up to, to Townsville, I want to say, and, and have a t interviews with them and talk to them about setting up that I went for another job, Department of Health. And so I got a bottom job, the walking job at Health, but it was permanent. Mm. And I was there three days before I started applying for the higher duties and higher things. And so I've just been in, since then I've been in government, Queensland mm. government, different, different areas, different things. And um, so although I was a qualified high school personal development health physical yeah. education teacher I'm currently a finance manager <laughs> so I did my CPA as a graduate program I did that and then I've so I'm a CPA as well now oh my goodness you're a jack of all trades uh, yeah. <laughs> so are you going to study anything else <laughs> uh no <laughs> right we finished that. not until I retire yeah oh that's amazing but it just goes to show that you know you never know where the road's going to lead and and you've been able to say yes to all the opportunities that have come your way you know you haven't shied away from them and you've sought them out as well yeah when you were younger a younger mom and you were a single parent ferrying all your children around the world to all their numerous activities you didn't exactly have the healthiest lifestyle and you found yourself you know overweight um, and not where you really wanted to be um, in, in your own body and, and feeling great about yourself. What led to the changes around that? And um, how old were the kids at that time when you finally realised that you wanted to make a change for your own personal health? One comment my second eldest son said to me, one stage was that he was worried about me and worried about my health. And he was um, engaged, so he was the first one being gay so they got married when he was 21 I think 15 years ago mm. I would have been 45 and um I don't know if you remember when the biggest loser first came on yeah and I saw it and, and I never watched it but I saw a weigh-in and this lady weighed in and she was 90 something kilos 90 to 94 kilos I don't know and I just went oh my gosh that's how much I weigh mm. And did that and just creep up as like... It, it, I woke up and it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just... <laughs> eating, eating the wrong foods, not doing anything. Um, yeah. Working. Yeah. Eat, and just eating all the leftovers that the kids had because being brought up poor, you don't leave anything to waste. Mm. So that was January. And then, then my son, son was getting married. Um, in July 2nd and I decided that was it I was going to to lose weight get healthier um so I just started walking um walking and walking 50 steps running 50 steps that was it that's all I could do and um but I started going to work so I instead of catch driving or catching a bus or anything like that I I had somewhere where I had to get to so I couldn't pull out Mm. So I had to get to work, so I had to I had to walk there, or I had to walk run there, or do something. And and I've been lucky that in the government they have like change areas, mm. so I could get changed. 
And um, yeah, so I just started to, to lose weight slowly. So it took six months mm. and I lost about 30 kilos. Wow. Um, How did that feel to lose that much weight? It was good. I actually, well, it's interesting to say because um, it's really, well, it's sad because when I went looking for something for my son, like for his wedding, mm. people actually spoke to me when I went in and asked me what I wanted. Whereas previously before when I was very large, they don't come and approach you and ask you what would you like or try this on, try that on. So that was a whole different thing I had to get used to that people actually acknowledged that I was, I was there. Mm. So, um, and it was really funny because my, my boss at the time had gone, he was a project director and he'd gone back to England with his fiance at the time. And, and I sent him a photo of the wedding party and he said, Oh, Pasha looks really good. That's my son and, and Mary. They, they look, where are you? And I went, I'm standing next to him. Oh, he didn't even recognize you. Didn't recognize me at all. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So how much weight have you lost now since that first step when you were That's trying? well I, I I lost that and I've up and down probably 5 kilos up and down. So I'm I'm probably 5 kilos heavier than I was then, although I did say to Mary I lost at least three and a half on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Get into that. But but I've got it back. But yeah, yeah. so so just I think I got too light mm. and then I'm, but I'm happy now. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I feel healthier. That should be the more the focus than just yeah. the weight is yes. the actual feeling healthy. Yes. A hundred percent. So when you started uh, your weight loss journey and you did the run walking and then gradually, I guess you probably thought I'm just going to keep running. What was it that made you maybe enter your first race? I did the um, Bridge to Brisbane, which is a very iconic one here. And there was photos of me, which are very large. Mm -hmm. And it took me two hours to do that. So I did that with my sister, my older sister, the just one above me. Um, and she was faster than me. And I used to be the athlete one and she wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then so the next year, the first thing I did would, was the um, Bridge to Brisbane. You're like, game on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and gonna the photos are so, you know, yeah. so different to yeah. that. And, and, just, and then just met people and just yeah. found out about this running community where there's all these events and people go and do mm -hmm. things. Could you imagine now, like looking back at your life from your childhood to your marriage, to leaving your husband, fleeing in the car, um, you know, with your four kids in tow, to setting up your family, going to university, getting your job, and now running. And then later on, as we'll get into running marathons and ultra marathons, could you imagine that this was going to be your life? If you, you know, look back now, would you have thought this was going to be where you were at your age? No. No. Where do you think you would imagine that you would have been? I imagined I would be just sitting at home in the in a lounge, you know, in the lounge, not doing anything. Just because at my age back then, you know, you didn't do anything. How old are you, if you Six, don't mind? I'm. Oh, I'm sixty. Because most people that are in their 60s aren't running marathons and ultra marathons. Let's be honest. They're not. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, your journey has taken a very different path to 
most typical people. Uh, but what is it that you loved about the running that made you keep lacing up your shoes? I like running on my own. I like running with people. So when I run with my own, I solve the whole world's problems or my problems, you know, different things. I work out things. Um, when I was working at one stage, I used to be like a business manager at um, Child Child Safety out at Woodbridge, which is a really um, very poor, very high um, pedophiles, all that sort of stuff. Very, you know, hard place. So I'd, I'd go running out there and I'd, I'd solve all the problems. And mm -hmm. it, it made me feel really good that, that the um, team leaders there always knew to ask me after lunch for anything they wanted because they knew I'd be in a better, you know, a good mood because I'd mm -hmm. been out for a run. Mm -hmm. The other thing is just um, with people, just the community, just meeting people and um, mm -hmm. just doing, just doing things. Yeah. Well, let's get into Mary's little side of the journey now. <laughs> so when you saw your mum running these marathons at first, how old would you have been? Probably teen, teen years, I think. Late teens. Late teens, like 16, 17. It was, um, you know, we'd always do that Bridge to Brisbane event, which was either a 5 or a 10K, and that was just that thing that you entered because everyone did it. Mm. Um, but then in July, it's the Gold Coast Marathon. So mum would do a weekend away because um, it used to always fall on that June, July school holidays. Um, a weekend away and she would enter a race. Um, I think she was like marathons and half marathons and she'd enter me into the 5K because that's what I had to do if I wanted a weekend on the Gold Coast. Um, and then it probably was, I remember 2012 and 2013, after doing just the 5 and 10K, mum um, entered me into the half marathon. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, I, I knew nothing about a watch or pace or fueling or anything. Like I ate red frogs on the course. Um, that first half marathon in 2012 I actually finished in two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and actually now being a runner, I, I'm like, that's actually a really good time for someone that refused to run. Like yeah. I... Um, I grew up being a swimmer. I played water polo. I represented Queensland in water polo and I was a water person. I wasn't land. Mm -hmm. um, we, I was always quite active. Mum and I were always active together at gyms. I mean, we did aqua aerobics. We did this weird gym class with like balls and things. So <laughs> we spent a lot of time together being active, I guess. We'd always be in a boot camp or um, and whenever it came time to running, I'd always like slack off at the back because I hated it. Um, and then, you know, she'd enter me in these races. But um, yeah, I just, that's kind of how I kind of started running. So I saw her doing it. Um, but it wasn't really until I got married in 2013 and had my first child. Um, you know, obviously when, when you get married, you're probably spending less time with your mum. Than I was before and I really kind of lost that connection um so she invited me to park run one day and I thought oh goodness you know I, I can't run five kilometers um you know what happens if I have to stop and walk what happens if people laugh at me or you know so um mum and I went halves in a running pram because my daughter at the time was just over one I think so she was you know one years old and 
So we shared the running pram duties and we ran the first five kilometres. Um, and I did it in about 35 minutes. So I was pretty stoked looking back now. And yeah. then that just became a habit. Um, each week I'd go back trying to get a faster time. I slowly introduced my husband into it. Um, who it was it was fun at the start because I was like, come on, babe, like keep running, just keep going. And that that probably happened for two, three weeks. And then he was like, come on, hurry up. So <laughs> he just has these long legs. But um yeah, so that's kind of how I got into running. It's just so my mum and I could have that connection again and spend time together. And we were both so fortunate to both work in Brisbane City. Um, so at lunch times, we'd often go running around the Brisbane River together. It's just something that we now do. And um, I've just, I, you know, I thank you for getting me into running because I'm such a happier person after I've had a run. So did, did mum have a bit more of an influence on you in your running journey in terms of building up those distances than if, you were say, you know, if your mum wasn't there, do you think that you would have done those things? Probably not. I yeah. So watching so. mum do these yeah. um, marathons and, and ultras, you were like, hmm, I could do yeah, that. I'll have a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I remember doing like my first year at Park Run. Um, towards the end of the year, I entered a, you know, we entered a half marathon together. So, um, you know, mum went off it was a two-lap course and we saw each other often on the course and she'd finished in something crazy like an hour and 48 or something mm -hmm. like this and um she'd even ran back up the course to find me so we could finish together and I was like oh I actually kind of enjoyed that um and then so the following year I entered the Gold Coast Marathon so um it didn't take long to sign up for that first marathon and you know watching her constantly um enter these big races you know she's um done 50 kilometer events 100k road events 100k trail events and you know often i'm up at 1am watching her little dot go along the tracker trying to find out where she is um or you know be on the sidelines supporting her so i don't think i would have ever dreamed of running these big distances um or running even at all without her influence. She is the one person that I'll probably only will do a long run with. Um, she's that one person that I know that doesn't care if I want to stop and walk or doesn't care about my pace and doesn't care if I don't respond to her because she just talks and talks and talks. So I'm just like <laughs> dying as I'm running. I was probably nine months pregnant with my second child. So there's a five year gap between them. Um, and I was like, I really want to do an ultra marathon. I want to do 50 Ks, mum. Will you do it with me? Um, and so we signed up for the Guzzler, which was, it was a new event um, in Brisbane run by Laura and her husband, Tim yep. um, from the Trail Coast. So um, and so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do their event as my first event. I didn't really know much about elevational trails or, you know, and it turns out that this 50 kilometer event had like 2000 meters elevation. Um, and by the time I would run that event, I was only seven months post having Quinn. So, wow. you know, my mum was there for every training run, 3am training runs, um, you know, because I had a newborn. So I'd have to get up really early pump before I left, left the milk on the bedside table for my husband, went and ran for hours, pumped on my way home. 
but you know without her I, I wouldn't have been able to do it she was there for everything I'm the biggest scaredy cat of anything dark like I run to my garbage bin when I'm putting out the bin type of person so um without her support none of what I've achieved would have been possible um you know if I've had to take a kid with me while we're running she'll often push the pram for me um because those kids just get heavier and heavier but um you know you don't find many running buddies that are just a text message away I'll text her and say do you want to go for a run in the morning and her response is when and where kind of thing and you know that's that's the type of running buddy and mum that I've got and I just you know so grateful to have you know a lot of people comment constantly you know you're so lucky to have have your mum and you know a mum like yours and you know a lot of our um, running community here in Brisbane also call her mum so she's mum to many um mm -hmm. she's known to randomly enter me into events as well <laughs> I'll, I'll get a random email that I'm entered into an event or she comes home from a shoe sale with my size, my size shoes. So, um, yeah, she's just, she's just the best. <laughs> and that's really special, you know, I mean, it is, it is really special to have that strong relationship with your mother, like anybody to have that strong relationship with your mother, but it's quite rare to have that relationship where you're both really passionate about a similar thing. And, um, you know, I think it's a gift, I guess, that that Sandy's given you, Mary, um, to have that strong connection with each other over something that you both love. Um, and, you know, hopefully you guys can keep doing this for a really long time. I mean, what sort of things do you have planned into the, I guess it's hard to plan anything at the moment, but in the immediate future? Yeah, three weeks we're um, off to do the guzzler again, but this time we've chosen 21Ks, um, which is quite lucky because I don't think we could have fit in 50Ks worth of training. Yeah. Um, but recently on a trail run, I said to mum, you know what, I want to do, and this is probably news to my husband when he hears this podcast, but I want to do a 100-kilometre trail event Mm. Um, you know, I want to wait for my kids to be a little bit older. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe in five years time or, and mum's like, yep, I'm there for you. I'm training. I'll pace you through the night or do whatever we need to do. And I'm like, well, mum, you'll be like 67 by then or something. No so problem. Mum's <laughs> like, no problem. You know, I'll still yeah. be running. So, um, yeah. that's one big goal. I mean, obviously we should have been flying out to New York this weekend, um, like many RMAs would have been. You know, we were quite lucky to get in. Um, my mum qualified um, with a, you know, a time to get into New York and I qualified for a virtual run through Strava. So, um, you know, we were meant to see New York and that's something that was always on my running bucket list when I first became a runner, you know, New York marathon was the bee's knees kind of thing. Um, so we do have a few events planned. Um, I'm not sure when New York will happen. Maybe my hundred K will happen first, but we'll just have to have to wait and see, I guess. But, um, we've got a Gold Coast run coming up. It's kind of the end of the season run it's Gold Coast in December it's a disgustingly hot run but it's also the biggest party Gold at Coast the end. 50, yeah. yeah Gold Coast 50 so mum mum will obviously be doing the 50 kilometers um I'm doing the more respectable 15 kilometer run so. <laughs> 
Okay, you're there for mums. Cheer yeah. her through, hand yeah. her drinks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So wet washes and stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty good because um, well, although they've changed the course this year, but last year all I did was you, you know along the beaches they've got all the um, showers. Yeah. So as I ran, I just turned the shower and put my head under and kept going because it's great idea. Really, really hot. But and every year I say I'll never do it again, and every year I sign up again to it. Uh, well, there's going to be heaps of people doing it, and there's heaps of RMAs going. I mean, I wish I could go, but unfortunately, your borders are not open. I know. <laughs> so no, I think that's going to happen for me. No. But anyway, what is it, um, Sandy? I mean, Mary's talked about all the things she loves about running with you what do you love about running with her oh <laughs> nothing <laughs> <laughs> no i do i i well the the chatting and and catching up so the lunchtime runs we we do we debrief as you would do different work and we can say whatever we want to say about anything about work and it doesn't go anywhere and it's just it's just gone um I think, and I often say it to her, and she, she doesn't seem it's. I think she's really strong and commit the commitment and the and that that um, that's what I I get from her and look at it and go, you know, you're so strong, you can keep doing it. Like I mean, to think that 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 fifty um, k that she did, mm. I said to her, you're an idiot. That's <laughs> do you have any idea how much birth there is in this thing? Mm -hmm. um there Seven was months postpartum <laughs> there was some crazy crazy stuff and, and she would be we'd be driving back and i'd look over in the car and there she is she's got pumps going yeah. while she's driving that's commitment. Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy you know determination that she's mm -hmm. got and and she doesn't think it but but that's what i i get out of from from watching what she does mm -hmm. um and just just the friendship and just yeah so the one that she was talking about, um, New York, for me to get my qualifying, I didn't realise that New York is the only one you can qualify for with a um, half marathon. Yeah. So I didn't know that. And I had been training for other things. So I was training for a long tra trails. I had six weeks after Gold Coast and there was the river run and they mm -hmm. had a half marathon and it's a um, certified course. They got it certified. Yeah. Mary's husband actually went out and trained with me. He never run. He's never run it more than ten k's. Refused to run more than ten k's, and yeah. he trained with me. And um, we did the half marathon together to get the time. But what time then, did you have to get to get? I had to. I had to get a two o two for my age group, a sixty yeah. plus. But I got a sub two. Yeah. Um. So no. So I thought that was really good, given that I only had six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks training, and so his first half marathon is a sub two. Yeah. I think I've been training for for like years. I've always wanted a sub two half marathon. This guy hates running more than ten kilometers. Has never run a half marathon and was pacing someone. Well, you know the answer to that, don't you, Mary? How to get the sub two half marathon now? Long so you Run with your mum or run with your husband. Yeah. <laughs> and just hold on. So, yeah. so at the end of the event, then they were in tears because. I was excited I'd qualified mm. and Mary hadn't done her run yet because it was had to be on the the New York time and they said 
we can't go. We can't afford to go. I'm really sorry. I'm like, oh, that's okay. All right. <laughs> it was probably 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, Rob and I were sitting at a cafe eating a cake. Um, and he goes to me, he goes, oh, do you think you could run a marathon tomorrow? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, I've been doing overtime and I've been doing, you know, more hours and then, you know, I've saved up a bit of money and, you know, it's going to be tight for a little bit, little bit, you know, we'll have to sacrifice a couple of things. But if you can run a marathon tomorrow in the qualifying time, we're going to New York. And so I was like, oh gosh, okay. I was like, I need to go to Coles. I need to get some gels. I'll like text my mum. Mum, do you want to run a marathon? She's like, oh, okay. When and where? And I said, <sighs> you know, 4.30, we'll start it, you know, it's the story bridge. And, um, you know, we met up and we ran and I think, you know, we did it in five hours. I think it was like 5.05 or 5.10. Yeah, you know, it was quite a good time, even with no yeah. training. And um, yeah, so that's just, you know, that's just type of relationship that we have. It's, mm. you know, she says yes to all my crazy ideas. And mm. I she sit there on the sidelines, watching her do her crazy ideas. So um, yeah, it's been great. So will your qualifier still stand for how yeah. many years do you have that you can use that? Um, I think we, we go, so we said we did, we'd postpone it. So I think it's in January, then they open it up again. So yeah. we can choose 21, 22 or 23. Oh, but good. it depends on how many they've got mm -hmm. um, in those areas, whether you get the year that you want or not. So right. um, given what America's like, unfortunately, because usually I go every year because my son, I've got a son, daughter-in-law and five grandkids that live there in the middle of America. Um, oh, nice. I just don't think 21 is too, is way too early. So it'll probably be 22 or 23. Well, I'm hoping to go in 22, um, because my daughter, you know, I was supposed to go as well this year. Sorry, next year. Yeah. Hang on. This, this year, year. I'm this getting, year. I'm losing track of my years. I was supposed to go this year as well. And, um, my daughter's doing her HSC next year. So unfortunately it's not going to work out next year to go so yeah. i'm looking at trying to go in 22 so do it then we'll all go together <laughs> the other question i wanted to ask you sandy was that you've done a lot of big races mm -hmm. um how many like over marathon distance races have you done now i'm not sure i i don't you've count. lost count I'm going to say it's count. probably five a year, I think. Wow. So you've got, you've done so many now, you can't even say how many. <laughs> I have to sit and work out which ones I did and which ones I didn't, um, didn't do. So, um, yeah, like, well, obviously this year, not, well, this year I, I, this I year did, I did go on nuts three? in, in um, March down in Tasmania. I did that. So that's, that was, it was 101 Ks, but then they changed it this year. They added, I think, another, I want to say five Ks because they got sponsorship yeah. by um, the radio station. So it was the frequency of the radio. Ah, oh, great idea. Yeah, so they added <laughs> another five in there. So I've done that one and then... You did the one around the track. Oh, yeah. So, so just recently I did Butter. So that was the um, 12 hours around a 400-meter track. So oh, that yeah. was just just shy of 100 k's I did there, and then just weekend gone I 
attempted my second um, black hole, which didn't go too well as well. Mm. So what, what is it about the ultras that appeals to you the most? What do you love about ultra running? Like, um, I like to challenge myself. I, I love the, um, the trial ones first because I suppose I just, I love to see, you know, like you just look around and it's just, what they say, God's playground. It's just inspiring. And, and usually, except for last Saturday, usually when it's the tough, it's really tough. Mm. I just stop and look. And that's something that um, a friend told me, Shona Stevenson. I don't know. Yeah, yep, Shona, yep. yeah. Shona, she's really, really lovely. That's what she said to me. When, when, it, gets, when it gets tough, just stop and look around and take in the views. Mm. Um, and just, I, I love I love time with people and running with people. I absolutely love running with Mary. Mm. But I also like running on my own. Like mm. on, on trails, my, my pace is nothing the same as anybody else's. Mm. and most of the time I'm on my own yeah so you're just thinking about things working things out just yeah. planning or going over something else just your alone time yeah and you can do that on those big ultras and the good thing as you said is that which is what draws me to those races is the things you can see and the places you can explore and I was just commenting with my husband about that the other day we were down in Jarvis Bay in the south coast and doing a long run and i said to him like you wouldn't if you didn't run like it'd be so much harder to see these places like to hike you could hike in there that's not a problem but it would take so much longer um, whereas we can just run there and it's in half the time and see these beautiful places and that's what draws me to the trail and ultra running as well is just all the amazing places you can see and i'm just waiting for all these borders to open so that i can add some more of those ones i've wanted to do to my list because I'm at the point now where I'm not like I was before where I would just be ticking off like race after race after race, just without really thinking about what I was doing. I'm really kind of carefully choosing the ones I want to do now for particular reasons. And most of the time it's the people that I can spend that time with or the places that I can see. So yeah, or the challenge of course that, that, that each race brings. What would be your, I'm going to ask both of you this question. What would be, Sandy, your most memorable race to date? And it doesn't have to be an ultra, any race at all since you started running. The most memorable one at the moment was my first ultra, the first 50, and it was Gold Coast 50. Yep. So I, I didn't know whether I could run that far or not because, you know, an ultra is not just, it's just not 8K more than a, a marathon. Mm. Um, it's really hot. It's really hard. There was, there was, they've changed the course this time, but there was a couple of really big hills right at the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was coming, coming back, um, there was a guy in front of me and he was wobbling around. I sort of stopped and, and helped him and, I, and, you know, asked him how he was going and all that. Oh, no, he's okay. And as he was going along, um, he lost his glasses. So things that I remember, lost his sunny, mm -hmm. so I picked them up. And, um, and I took them with me. But as I was coming towards the finish shoot, the, the girls like Mandy, Oliver, all them, Mary, they were all yelling and screaming at me, you know. And then I'm going to cry now. And then Mary came, she jumped in and she grabbed my hand and she actually just rubbed her thumb up and down on my hand and we ran together. 
and it was just the most memorable. I just cried and oh, hugged and I'm crying. I know, and we hugged and then crying. <laughs> then I found found the guy to give him his his sonnies and he was collapsed with the the paramedics with, with were with him and his wife's like oh thank you they cost so much and I'm like oh well he's you know oh. this is just the things you do but yeah so that was like it wasn't a major achievement it wasn't anything but it was just Oh, but it wasn't a major it was a major achievement like you know your first ultra is a major achievement um well any race is a major achievement um but particularly your first of particular things uh, yeah. but, and especially as you said you didn't know whether you could actually complete that and you did so it is a major achievement you should be really proud of yourself for, for doing that especially in those conditions because yeah gold coast 50 isn't at the best time of year um, you know, December, very hot on the Gold Coast, humid, and I can imagine how brutal that would be to run 50 kilometres. What about you, Mary? What would be your most memorable uh, race to date? Goodness. Um, it would definitely have to be uh, my first Gold Coast marathon. So mum -hmm. and I trained together. We, we did everything, you know, in the lead up, our long runs and... I think it was about six weeks before the event. Mum had a bit of a injury. She, I broke my hip. She broke her hip. But I didn't, um, I didn't know. I thought it was an adductor problem. Yeah. So she wasn't. She didn't know that she'd broken her hip. Um, but she had a bit of an injury that she was carrying, and she went to see Paul at Body Leadership, and he kind of, you know, got her through, um, strapped her up, and gave her some words of wisdom. And um, and I think that you know. We ran that. I I got thirteen kilometers into a in a marathon. Um, I was ready to pull the pin at thirteen kilometers. I was like, I'm not doing this. You know, I'd run thirty k's before easy, mm. um, and I was like, No, mum, I'm not doing this. But you know, um, this the belief that my mum had in me that day just kept me going. And you know, we we crossed the finish line pretty much hand in hand, carrying my daughter that last 200 metres that seems like you're actually at the finish line when it says 200 metres to go. And that was like the longest 200 metres to carry, a, oh, how old was she, two, I think, two or three. Yeah. Uh, she's quite heavy after a while, so I threw her back off into the crowd to my husband. But um, that was pretty memorable. And it's, it's a funny story because um, a couple of weeks later, I think mum had a fall in the trail and she ended up breaking her other hip. Oh. Um, and she found out that she actually ran that marathon with me with a broken hip. And then, um, no, it was actually the next year. The next yeah, year. The, the next year, the Gold Coast Marathon, just before that one, she broke her hip and she didn't run at all. Um, but again, she was there. She borrowed my little um, road bike that I had and she rode the whole course yelling at me. If I didn't run with her that day on my first marathon, I would have been a DNF for sure because I got... Yeah, as I said, like 13 kilometres in, not very far at all. Um, and I was crying. I was a mess. Um, but she picked me up and, you know, we got through it. And I love running marathons. Um, it's probably my favourite distance to run. I'm not fast. I mean, my PB is like four hours and 40 minutes. So I'm not overly fast at all. I just go. I just hit this one consistent pace. I rarely kind of walk, which I'm you know, quite proud of, you know, just walk through the water stations. But yeah. um, it's just that time just to 
have time to myself because it's also four and a half hours of no kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a exactly. really big pulling point. Um, <laughs> but also that time just, you know, being with people, um, you know, mum and I have run a couple of marathons now, not together together, but, you know, we see each other on the course and, um, you know, we, I, we try and play cat and mouse, I guess, as well, <laughs> try and beat each other. But, um, you know, it's just that, just that environment with, yeah, Gold Coast is always, you know, I'll always say, oh, no, I won't do the marathon at Gold Coast, but, you know, I'll definitely be there next year in the marathon again. I'll say that I'm not, but I'll enter it anyway because it's just such a great race and it holds so many great memories for me and my mum. Oh, I love that. And the Gold Coast, like, hopefully it will go ahead next year and we can all gather there. Like, I'm really looking forward to definitely that celebration. I think I've still got um, one minute and one second to knock off the Gold Coast marathon time. <laughs> so I think it's been like... I don't even know, six years since I ran the Gold Coast Marathon, the actual marathon there. I've done the half a few times and everything. But, um, yeah, maybe next year might be the year to get that, that time knocked out. I don't know if my body is able to do any faster now. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and about that, about the experience of being on the course and races and um, being around other people, like what actually led you mary to rma and then subsequently sandy or was it the other way around it was my mum um actually she'd joined this um running mums australia facebook group and i was like why am i not a part of it i'm more of a mum than you are i mean your kids are grown kind of thing <laughs> um and it was quite funny actually um it was probably quite in the early stages maybe a year after rma started we joined um and mum ordered me my first RMA top as well. So we both had the white RMA top. Um, and, you know, I remember we did the Twilight Half Marathon, which is a half marathon up here in Brisbane by Wynnum by the water. It's windy as anything. It's a two-lap course. And, um, you know, I put that shirt on. Mum had hers on. And it was just like everyone was cheering for you. You know, I knew a couple of people from Park Run that were doing the race, but you had that RMA on, and everyone's like, go RMA or go running, Mum. And you know, I was like, oh, hi, you know, hi. And I felt like a real <laughs> celebrity. celebrity. And, um, and it was actually then the next year we did the Gold Coast. It was like called the Gold Coast Bulletin Run. It was held in April. And again, a two-course um, two-lap oh, two course, sorry. Um, and I remember running and Anna was there and we'd run and she was like, running moms! And this big, <laughs> bright smile. I was like, oh my God, that's Anna. Mum, mum, that's Anna. Mum, Anna said hi to her. She cheered for us. And she's probably going to laugh at me now because <laughs> we're good friends now. But... Um, it was just that support and everyone just cheers for you. And, mm. um, you know, at the you know, I go for lunch runs in the city sometimes and I see a running mum, we high five each other. I don't even know who she is, but yeah. you know, um, it's just that connection that we're all in this together and we're all mums and we all battle that same, I guess, trying to compete with priorities and we're just out there doing our thing and you know regardless of whether you're super fast or you know you run walking or whatever it is it's that connection 
that yeah. you have with people and just the support behind it, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you just have to jump on the Facebook group and there's someone that may have not had a great day and you just see floods and floods and floods of comments and messages and love and support. Mm. Um, and that and it's kind of turned that person's day around or just, you know, the celebrations from someone ran their first kilometre the yeah. whole way and they're just like, and, you know, everyone is just cheering for them because you know, it's such a big thing. We were all, we've all been there, our mm. first kilometre. And then you have people like mom or, you know, Jody are born and, you know, they're running these 100K um, events. I mean, Jody just finished the Backyard Ultra. Yeah. Something for his backyard. Yeah. yeah backyard. Ultra, you know. So you've yeah. got these amazing athletes um, in the group as well. And, you know, their achievements are just, you just sit there and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it's just, it's just such a heartwarming feeling. You don't get that um, many places. You know, Facebook is, um, you see a lot of people trying to tear a lot of people down and you don't mm. you don't have that with RMA at all. It's definitely such, uh, everyone builds each other up, you know. Mm. So, um, and I think the good thing about it too is that, you know, although you have that connection via social media or via Facebook or whatever, you know, online, um, it actually translates to being in person as well and in your local area. And then, you know, if you are fortunate enough to be able to travel to a race that's not in your area, there's always someone um, that's going to have an RMA shirt now, like everywhere, anywhere in Australia, you're going to have someone. And that's pretty special to have. Like, and, and I mean, I think that's, it, you know, it's pretty amazing to have, just that connection with women that love something as much as you do and that everybody's got something to share and bring to the table from your first, like you said, the person doing their first kilometer right through to people running, you know, hundreds of miles to running at the Olympics to yeah. all these different women who are just like you said, competing with their own, with their priorities, which every mother has to do. If they're looking after themselves as well and they're doing something um, incredible for themselves it's like two amazing worlds colliding motherhood and running <laughs> like yeah. they're pretty amazing both those things um and running makes us better mothers i believe like just that what we get out of it you know makes us better so yeah i really love that you guys have found rma and have that support from it um, in your own lives i wanted to ask you and I wanted to ask you, Mary, what you think about when you think about your mum. So what words come to mind to describe her and what she has done? Um, she is just strength after strength. I mean, um, like I probably shared earlier, some of the some some of her story I didn't I didn't know and um I was hearing it for the first time here and just you know, last night I was like, oh my goodness, it's just amazing what she's been through to what she's now doing. Um, she's probably the strongest person I know. She has such determination. She's just got, she's so goal-driven and it's just so inspiring. I mean, if I am still running at her age, I'll be so excited. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I, you know, Willow loves to come running. Um, she's seven now, so she loves to run. Um, she does more of a sprint and then we walk and then sprint. Yeah. But, you know, she still loves to get out. She loves to come to our interval night as well. And, um, you know, that connection that I have with Willow, I hope 
is as strong mm -hmm. as my mum and I, you know, I hope to run my first marathon or Willow's first marathon with her. That's if she wants to run, like I'm not going to pressure her, but um, it's just, you know, when I look at my mum and her achievements, it's just outstanding. Like it's just, it's kind of indescribable. The grit and determination that she has just for everything um, is just, it's just amazing. I mean, the other weekend, um, you know, on a Friday afternoon, our team at work goes, oh, what's everyone doing this weekend? I said, oh, you know, I'm going up the mountain to support my mum run 100 kilometres in the trails. And they're like, what? Your mum? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're like, I'm not even going to drive that far this weekend. And it's just, um, it's just amazing just to have someone so strong. She's just so strong. She's the strongest yeah. person I know. Yeah. Love it. Yes, you are. <laughs> I can see her looking like, you know, and that's what's so beautiful about you, Sandy, is you're just really humble and, um, you know, you don't really realise, I guess, the impact that you've had on others, including your own daughter, that strength that's shone through your life, um, the journey that your life's taken you on and how you've used that um, to build other people up as well. Like, you've, you know, you're really lucky to have that special connection with your daughter, especially um, with something that you're both so passionate about and both love. We're going to finish up now, but we always finish up with the RMA hot lap. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Um, just general questions. I've changed them around every now and then to suit the different people I have on the podcast. So I'll start with you, Sandy. So the first question is, what can you not go without on a long run? Talking. <laughs> I like it. It's true. it's true. You just talk, talk, talk. From you or someone talking at you? Me. You. What about if you're running by yourself? Are you just talking to yourself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you saying? Just, um, oh, sometimes I'm, I'm telling myself stop being so silly. And be careful, especially in the trails. If I'm because my eyesight's not as good as it used to be in trails, and because I've probably broken a few like hips, ankles, yeah. and that, I don't pick my legs up high enough, and then I trip. And then it's like every trip point, I'm like, oh, stop being so stupid, you know. But I, I do, I talk to myself, I talk to others that I'm running. I yeah. find like a long run goes so fast if you if you're talking. Yeah. I don't know about if you're listening, but if you're talking, it does. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure both helps, but yeah, talking's a good one. What about you, Mary? What can you not go without on a long run? Oh, probably my mum and her talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think mom. so. I think we can see yeah. that, you know, you've needed your mum <laughs> along the way. So yeah. Yeah. Certainly my mum for any long run, usually. Um, it's pretty funny because, you know, she's had a couple of coaches over the years and, um, you know, Sunday long run for her. They've always incorporated my long run into her long run. They're like, oh, you can do 90 minutes with Mary and then you can go off for another hour kind of thing. So <laughs> they all know that I need her to get my long run. Otherwise, I don't do it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, Sandy, what is your favourite race fuel or something you love to munch on in an ultra? Because we wouldn't even say race fuel. Maybe we just like snacks. What's your favourite race snack? <laughs> interesting because at the moment i'm having issues with my stomach so we're actually looking for things so i i thought that's why i did the 12 hour one before um 
I did black hole because we were trying to work out my um, my fuel because it wasn't working. I, I did last one standing that, um, yes. you know, the one lap at, on an hour and I got to eight laps and then it started to go. Mm. So the thing at the moment, and it's a weird thing, is roasted seaweed. I do not do sushi. I hate sushi, but roasted seaweed. I Wow. Think. That's something I wasn't thinking was going to come up as your favorite race fuel mm -hmm. what is it the saltiness of it i think it is just the crunchiness and the, and the saltiness yeah wow interesting wow okay what about you mary what's your favorite race snack um race my race fuel i'm not really picky but I love any kind of like Endura gel or hammer gel that's the vanilla ice cream flavor. Oh, yeah. um, and it just seems to go down really well. Um, but the thing that uh, saved me in my ultra, um, the 50K trail, was peanut butter filled pretzels. Wow, where do you get, get those? From Coles. Oh. Yeah, they're just, they're absolutely amazing because it's got like the salt and then you've got the peanut butter inside. Just make sure you've got some water with you, but absolutely oh. delicious. I didn't even know you could get those. I'm going to have to have a look in Coles now. Okay, <laughs> Sandy, what is your favourite moment running with your daughter? Oh, so, mm. mm. so many. You've got to so pick many. a favourite. It could be My one favorite. of many favourites. Oh. Pick one of many, many favourites. Um, I'd have to say would be back at, um, and Mary mentioned before, the Twilight Half. Mm -hmm. And we didn't actually run together, but I did run back to her and find find her. Um, I got back and we were going up a hill and, I, and she was like determined to run up the hill. And I said to her, I didn't even run this. I walked it and I ran it and that was it. And then we finished together and hand in hand so I think that was probably my favorite one because it just proved to me how strong she was mm. but, you know she, she mentions all the time how strong I am but I just think she's equally as strong and determined mm. <laughs> oh, stop it <laughs> you're making me cry again um and what about you Mary what would be your favorite running moment with your mum and it doesn't have to be a race oh probably okay so <laughs> Last year when we were training for the Guzzler um, 50 kilometer trail run, um, I was in charge of the maps because my mum is the most directionally challenged person in the world. And I downloaded the maps and I'd studied them because I wanted to run the whole course in our training runs in sections. And um, every time we ran, we missed this turn off to go to something called Gold Creek Reservoir. Um, and every time we read it, we completely missed it. And I think it was the moment that I found that trail. Mum and I found it. Um, and I was so, it was just such a funny moment for us. I don't know why. It just always comes to memory because it's essentially, it was this two kilometre downhill run. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like a five kilometre loop. And then you had to run two kilometres back up. And um, I think that's probably one of my favorite ones because we ran down it and then we had to get ourselves back up it and just um, just her belief in me that I could run two kilometers back up this giant winding hill um, incline 
um, was just so amazing to have. I mean, it was, it's kind of a, it kind of had to be that kind of thing, but it was mm. just this funny thing because we kept missing it all the time. And mm. um, when we finally found it, it was like we won lotto, um, <laughs> a bit crazy going, oh my God, we found it. And um, <laughs> yeah, we we're quite excited. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. Um, Sandy, what is one thing about Mary that you couldn't live without? Her friendship. Oh. oh, this is a tearjerker. Everyone says they can't listen to the podcast without crying. This is going to make everyone cry again. What about you, Mary? What's, thing, what's one thing that you couldn't live without about your mum? Probably her selflessness. She is the most giving person in the whole entire world. Um, from anything, you know, she'll give up anything for you. She, um, simple little things like a little race, a local race was on last year and I we're sitting at the lunch, we're sitting having lunch and I get an email pop up and she's entered me into a race. Um, she knows my shoe size. So she knows if there's any, there was a shoe sale on at a local trail running shoe and um, my trail running shoes needed replacement and she bought me a pair kind of thing even though she needed a pair probably more than me it's just little mm. things like that she's just so selfless and so giving with her time um and that she doesn't care about how fast you are or how slow you are or if you want to walk um she's just like it's all time on feet I'm here for you to get you through what you need to do um and not just for myself I know that she's done that for many many people in our running community as well yeah Beautiful. Okay, the last question for each of you. So we'll start with Sandy. What is one word to describe your experience so far? Bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just have gratitude, I suppose. Mm. Just, just that. And I, I know you asked one word, but I was, I was looking at something today, and there's this um cyclist Kristen Armstrong that writes things and what a little thing she said was um sometimes like some some live with intention and others exist by default and I really want to live with intention mm. and yeah. I think you do you Maybe. definitely do 100 <laughs> percent mm. I really love that what about you Mary what is one word to describe your experience so far um Oh, goodness. Do you know what? I've listened to every podcast and I know this question comes and I'm like, what would be my word? It's um, hard when you, when you put on the spot with the, with the question. It's hard to think of one word. I think that's the hard part. I think I would just say it, it's just been such just an eye-opening journey, I think. I, was, I went from someone that would only do parkrun to just running 10 kilometers and half marathons and marathons. And it's just been so eye-opening to me, just being engulfed in this running community. It's probably the best community I've ever been a part of. Um, mm -hmm. Some of my really great friends are from the running community, um, you know, both trail and road and park run. It's just, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's been just so eye-opening just to be engulfed in this amazing environment, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that. Can I do a word for her? Yeah, give her a word. Blossoming. Oh. Oh. Stop. <laughs> Love it. 
that's true. Yeah, that actually is a good word. Yeah. And you're going to keep blossoming. And keep blossoming until mm-hmm. I feel it. Do that 100K, I think. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how the journey plays out for both of you. Um, obviously, Sandy, you've got big goals to kick as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to hopefully now that things are lifting and everybody's able to start getting back out there and, um, and have a bit more certainty around races and, and plans that we can start doing these adventures and things that we want to do. And I really want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story. I hope that, you know, it speaks into lots of people's lives about the power of one community, but also the power of friendship and relationship, especially with those that we're closest to. Um, And in your case, you know, mother and daughter and, and yeah, I think it's really special. So thanks for coming on and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much. When you messaged me, I was so um, so excited and so humbled to be asked to come on here, um, especially listening to everyone else that you've had on your podcast. I was like, oh, wow. Um, they've just been so inspiring and just, um, just amazing just to hear everyone else's story and um, how running just brings everyone together as well and that shared shared love of running. So thank you so much for having us. I love to say that too. Yeah, thank you for having us. And and I, I haven't listened to all of them. I'm not like me. So I have listened to them. And, and when I listen to them, I'm like, oh, that's part of my story. Oh, that's part of my journey. Oh, that's part of my journey. So yeah, I was like, there was so much that I hear from them that I can relate to parts of it of my life. And that's the that's the thing, right? Is that that everybody has a story you know and and everybody has one worth telling so yeah i find everybody's stories quite fascinating to be honest so yeah thanks for sharing guys thank you for joining us for another episode of the rma podcast i hope you love this episode with mary and sandy what an amazing story of two beautiful women who love to run and spend time together if we could all have that relationship with our own children i'd be a happy woman Next time on the podcast, I speak to someone very close to my heart, my sister-in-law, Debbie Schulstad. Debbie competed in the 100-meter hurdles at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. And I talked to Deb about what it is like to lose and find your identity after competitive sport. Deb now works as a sports and remedial massage therapist and a sports, a sprints and hurdles coach. Deb has had the opportunity after her career as an athlete herself to travel and support some of Australia's top track and field athletes while performing her role as sports and remedial massage therapist for Athletics Australia at many major competitions around the globe such as Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games and World Championships. We talk about how her life has transformed from being an elite athlete to mum to supporting other athletes and her feelings around this while supporting others yet not being able to be a participant in the support that she loved. And more importantly, we talk about the feelings that came when it was no longer part of her existence and learning to find herself again. I look forward to sharing that conversation with you. In the meantime, I thought I would jump in and let you know that the membership for the RMA 2021 member program will open on December 1 in just a few weeks. I'm really excited after the year that we've had to be able to open this membership to you for the 2021 season. 
Our partners are back on board and I'm so thrilled that we can support them in this way. I thank all those people that have supported RMA this year with your membership and I look forward to bringing you an even better program in 2021 as we gather together hopefully around the country. So look out for that. And also if you are a member in the next few weeks, you will get your code sent to you for your 10% discount on your membership for the 2021 season via our newsletter. For now, I hope you are all happy and well, and I look forward to joining you next time.